Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Kurt, a lot of new guys this season, uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys coming up from Monarchs. What are you seeing so far from your, from your eyes? Wow, from my eyes, I mean, that's a Pablo question, man. But no, from from what I've seen, I've I've been happy with the group. Uh, a lot of the new guys have done well. I think, um, you know, physically they've done really well, which is sort of what you expect of, of a guy coming into a new environment. But technically, tactically, uh, the adaptation to the speed of play for a lot of those guys, the draft picks and, and the new guys that have come in has been really good. Uh, RSL, you know, made a record uh, transfer fee signing and uh, Gomez still waiting on him to get in market, but... Are there plans to bring in additional players this offseason? And if so, what areas are you looking to strengthen? Yeah, we're looking for a couple couple more guys. I think we need to add another piece probably to the attack and uh, at least one more piece in, in the back. Um, we need a little bit of cover at, at probably fullback and, and center back maybe. We need a, maybe another option there as well. Are, would you think uh, a guy that could do both roles or – Potentially. Yeah, we have some targets that can do both and, and then some that are more specialized. And then looking forward to, uh, to Saturday's uh, game, what are you going to be watching to see in that game? Honestly, you just to see what the game gives you. You know, I want to see some of the new guys and how they adapt to the environment. And, you know, they've adjusted to training well. Training and games are very different. And so to see how those guys adapt the first time they're playing against someone that isn't you know on their side to some extent so that'll be interesting to see and then um yeah i mean just you know the 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 returners it's it's just seeing how fit and sharp they are this early in the preseason but it is still pretty early so it's not like you can make a lot of sweeping conclusions from from any of it to be honest it's a good exercise physically for the guys and it's the first time we get to kick someone else which is always a fun time in preseason could you maybe just kind of walk us through your approach a little bit to this part of the year with it being there's there's just so many so many options and so many opportunities with there being you know guys brought in from the draft uh preseason roster guys that might not make the final roster all, all these kind of chances to, to see all these different players and then bring in transfers from outside as well what's kind of your approach i, I guess to 
just a, a daunting kind of part of the year with just so many things going on? Uh, <laughs> my approach is to not sleep. Um, that's that's kind of how I approach this part of the year. Um, don't don't see my uh, my my family as much. No, it's it's a lot of long days in the off season. You know, everyone uh, thinks that we get some time off, but but in the front office, it's a lot more difficult that way. And we spend a lot of time scouting and watching video and uh, speaking to to players and agents and clubs and and trying to find the right deals. So um, look, we just kind of take it one step at a time and, and in MLS it's you've got sort of discrete you know windows of things happening whether it's the various drafts or free agency or all those different things so we kind of take those as they come and approach them and then you know accomplish that and move on to the next step and you know all the while under underpinning that with our scouting effort abroad and and the recruitment piece there. And then Pablo mentioned to us that specifically during this during this offseason there were conversations made about a particular emphasis in trying to develop players and then sell them um, overseas. Uh, can you just kind of maybe give us some insight into what those conversations were like and then what those plans look like moving forward to try and make that a reality? Sure. Look, I think this whole club has always been, uh, has always had that in, in its DNA, you know, before I got here. And when I came here, that was something that, that, brought me or drew me here um the the ability the focus on uh developing young players and improving them and whether that is to turn them into first team players here that play for the club for 10 or 15 years or to sell them abroad um you know but that's always been something that this club i think has had in its um I don't know if DNA is the right word, but, you know, I've been a part of this club and something that I wanted to be a part of when I came here. So um, if uh, it's if anything, it's a it's a renewed emphasis. It's a reminder that this is what we want to do, whether it's at the 15s, the 17s, Monarchs or even the first team. Right. And we've got um, some young players that can play a role for us in the first team and parlay that into, you know, again, if it's a transfer abroad, then great. And if that's the best thing for all, all parties, then, you know, we'll do that. And it's something that we want to do and that MLS has been getting better at lately um, and something that I think this club is positioned to take advantage of as well. Are there maybe just some examples over the past five to ten years with this club that you guys kind of look at as like success stories in, in that aspect? I think there's been success stories in terms of players that have been developed, whether you look at guys that are here like Justin Glad, Andrew Brody, guys that have moved on um, in, you know, Brooks Lennon or, um, you know, now in Aaron Herrera or Tate Schmidt, those types of guys, you know, have have found themselves in with professional careers after coming through this this club there's been guys obviously that never played here professionally in a Soto or Ledesma that um that have done well uh you know abroad as well so you know I think there's always been players with high potential that have come through here and what we're what we're re-emphasizing refocusing on or at least focusing on maybe I don't know if re is the right right prefix but what we're focusing on is how do we how do we develop that talent retain that talent and then capitalize on that talent down the road a gun in the face then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up they pointed their guns at me and this is the point where I thought I'm gonna die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela they said you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. 
You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With Diego Luna being named in U20s today, he's, I think, the 11th homegrown or Monarchs player that has gone to a youth national team camp this January. Like, mm-hmm. Does that give you pride, or how does that kind of make you feel? And yeah. I guess to also talk about the opportunity that Diego has this year with the Youth World Cup. I mean, I think it, 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 helps, uh, it helps, I think, show that we're on the right track with the players that we have here in the academy that we've recruited into the academy that we've recruited into into the first team um you know with diego diego has a huge huge year coming up it's a big opportunity the u the u20 cycles for young players you know young national team players is, is a massive opportunity it's obviously the world cup is a big shop window obviously he's got a lot of work to do is to keep himself and to put himself in that picture and to be on the field in those games um, and he knows that he's a great kid. He's got a, a phenomenal mentality, and his work rate is is excellent. And so, you know, he needs to he needs to just keep his head down and not get distracted, and just put in the work, and he'll have the success that he needs to have. But it, the these these years are always big years. They're big opportunities. You get to play against your peers all over the world. You know, he did a good job in the Concacaf tournament um, and played well, getting you know helping the team qualify for this. So, I'm excited for him. And then you know, as you mentioned, the other kids. I mean, it's just great opportunities for those guys, whether it's you know Finland or Mexico or the U.S. or um, whatever whatever country it is for those kids to represent their country. I know it fills them with a lot of pride, um, and it's it's a good environment to develop their abilities. They get to play against the top kids in their age group in those in those places, and then compete against other teams. So it's when they bring that experience back to to us, whether it's the academy or Monarchs, it's just something that makes everybody a bit better. You get reports back from like how Gavin did with the U19s, and yeah, and I guess how does that kind of mesh with the opportunity that a lot of these guys had in November and December to go to Augsburg or Palace or Estoril or Beveren or wherever? Yeah, I think it was good to utilize the network um, under under you know. Uh, I guess our ownership. I don't know what the right word is. GFH. What's your umbrella? <laughs> I don't like that word. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Trey. That's fine. Um, no, it was good to utilize the, the various clubs and the network, and we we tried to think very strategically about who could go where and where they would succeed, what environment they would adapt to easiest and best. And I think we had some some really good success stories. You mentioned, you know, Gavin and Fernando both both had a great experience at at Palace and did you know did very well. We had players go to go to Beveren and do very well. We had a couple at Estoril, we had a couple at at Otto, and I think, you know, I think we did a good job of aligning uh, the players with the right opportunities, and I think all of them had a, a phenomenal experience, and, you know, I'm, I'm still anticipating, I guess, how that impacts uh, everyone. I think with some you've seen it, but with others we might not see it till a couple weeks when Monarch starts, and you see some of those guys bring that experience to that environment. Anybody on Zoom? Ethan, let me unmute you. I, I got it. I think okay. I'm unmuted. Awesome. Um, thanks, Ray. And, uh, thanks, Kurt, for your time. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the Monarchs, um, specifically um, Aziz Kayando and Golden Mafuenta were, were, I think, huge parts of the roster last year and the effectiveness and really shutting down teams offensively. Um, I, 
I haven't, I guess, really seen a, a ton of clarity as far as bringing those guys back in. Is there a, a plan set in place right now to retain both these guys this year? Uh, I mean, the short answer is no, because both players were on loan, and at the end of their loans, uh, we opted not to exercise the purchase price. We engaged with uh, with with the, with the clubs for both players, and in terms of finding a solution that could make sense for us to bring them back, um, but unfortunately weren't able to. So, you know, at this stage, there is not a plan for them to come back in the short term. They're obviously two players we know very well, and they you know things ended very amicably with with all parties so in the future if things change or the financial terms become different or whatever you know whatever might happen in the future there's an opportunity to potentially bring them back if that's the decision that we can make and then uh, lastly just kind of in line with that question as well um if these guys don't end up coming back to the team um there were some games last year with the monarchs where i was seeing like three or four guys on the bench at the beginning of games to, to come in as subs um i guess is there a plan going forward to kind of i guess fill out the monarchs team and kind of have guys playing this year is it call-ups from from the academy or i guess what's the plan going forward yeah, I mean, you should see my whiteboard. I have a, a the, the Monarchs depth chart is probably the biggest uh, the biggest one on the board right now. But um, we it's it's a combination of everything you said. I think the seventeens were a bit young last year. This year, that group has aged up, and so there's going to be more players I think that can contribute directly to Monarchs from the seventeens. There's a few players that aged out of the seventeens that have stuck around as well to participate with the Monarchs. So they'll add a little more uh, heft to the roster. You know, last year we brought back, I think, zero players for the Monarchs uh, from 21 to 22, if my math is right. And this year I think we're at 10-ish Maybe it's eight to ten, but you know, and maybe even more than that. To be honest, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. But we brought back a core group of players, um, you know. So not only is that numbers, but experience with us. And I think when the Monarchs was sort of what we thought the Monarchs were going to be, sort of later in the season, I thought they did really well. They looked really good, and and you know, players. Uh, there were players that progressed, whether it's you know Tyrone Mondi or, or uh, you know Gennaro, who we picked up late in the season. Um, but those guys, you know, now are here on day one, so that's going to help kind of build out the roster. There's probably a couple moves that we might make to bring guys in that have a little bit of potential who can make it to the first team. And then obviously you've you've got you know we have five draft picks uh, that we made um, for for ourselves for the first team. And once we see where those players shake out and you know in terms of what roster they're on and then what team you know they're going to get minutes for i think that's going to add some some uh, bodies to that roster as well a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon but violence is only the beginning of this story sometimes i thought there are no miracles yeah there are and this is a big one i'm amy donaldson and i've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence the Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.